A major goal of perinatal care is to accurately diagnose fetal health prior to birth. How does three-dimensional ultrasound provide an improved way to evaluate the fetus? Our guest today will explain this technology as well as the specific benefits of volume imaging in fetal assessment ultrasounds. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, your host, and with me today is Dr. Burl Benassaraf, who is Clinical Professor of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Radiology at Harvard Medical School. We will be discussing the application of three-dimensional sonography, or fetal tomography, in obstetric and gynecologic imaging, as well as the future direction of this ultrasound technology. Thank you, Dr. Benassaraf, for speaking with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's really a treat to be able to talk with you. There are many terms, some of them are vendor marketing terms, which physicians may hear related to three-dimensional ultrasound, so I thought we could clarify a few of these terms. For example, what is the difference between three-dimensional and four-dimensional ultrasound? Well, three-dimensional ultrasound is really the volume of an ultrasound image rather than just one slice, which is what we're used to seeing, or one picture. So one volume is like a cube instead of a square, or a ball instead of just a circle. 4D actually means the 3D ultrasound with motion. So it's 3D ultrasound in real time. And the fourth dimension, therefore, is time. So what do you see differently with 3D versus 4D? Well, 3D is really the mainstake of what this technology is all about. It's the ability to take ultrasound which was always just a 2D method of just taking one slim slice image after another and turning it into something that can give you an entire volume, much like a CT or an MR. And that has really given us the ability to take a volume like we do in CT and MR and generate hundreds of images right from that one volume. 4D enables us to take that one step further and do that in real time with the image moving as we see it. The machines that are currently available are very good at 3D. They are still a little choppy in the time department, and so the 4D has yet to undergo some further development that will make it really useful, in my opinion, in clinical practice. Well, that's interesting. Now, another term that's sometimes used in three-dimensional ultrasound that I'd never heard of before studying this area is surface rendering. What is surface rendering? Well, surface rendering is just one way in which you can demonstrate the image or the information within your volume. It's a type of display. When you have a volume, which is a, a large chunk of information, you have to decide how you're going to display that, how you're going to show it to other people or to yourself. And there are lots of different ways to tease the information out of that volume so that you can look at it. And one way is surface rendering. Now, to surface render a part of an image, there has to be a fluid interface that can give you the surface of something. And that's what's used when we do pictures of babies' faces, or the surface of a fetus. If you think about it, the fetus is in a sea of fluid. And so it's a perfect subject to undergo rendering, which is to basically demonstrate the surface 
of something that has fluid in front of it. So those are the pictures then that we see commonly in the marketing images of three-dimensional ultrasound. Is that correct? That's correct. And that shows you the surface of the fetus. It doesn't show you anything inside the fetus, but it shows you the surface, which is helpful when you have an abnormality like a cleft lip and palate or other facial abnormalities that are visible on the surface. There are many other ways of displaying the information within a volume that go into the depth of the volume. Some of those are tomographic cuts, cuts that are parallel to each other, a millimeter, two or three apart, much like other forms of cross-sectional imaging like a CT or an MR. And then you can display slices all the way through from front to back or side to side of the volume. And another example of a way of displaying a volume is to bring up three slices that are all perpendicular to each other with one point being the intersection between those three planes. And then you can navigate manually through the volume using these three intersecting planes so that you can get to just the right place within that volume to demonstrate the anatomy. Well, I think that's always confusing for those of us who don't do a lot of three-dimensional ultrasound. So my impression is, for example, surface rendering, you see the face of the fetus, whereas these other tomographic images that you're talking about, you can see the brain. Is that correct? That's right. The brain would not be visible, really, using surface rendering because it's inside. And yet, if you think about how we look at the brain in other areas of radiology, we use CT. And that's a form of volume imaging as well that gives you multiple slices at all different levels of the brain. And what 3D ultrasound enables us to do is do the same thing with ultrasound, uh, something we hadn't had the opportunity to do in the past. Well, Dr. Banasaraf, as an established leader in obstetrical ultrasound, how did you first become interested in three-dimensional ultrasound? Well, to be honest with you, when I started looking at 3D ultrasound, I was not particularly interested in it because I thought it was a bit of a gimmick to make pretty baby faces that weren't particularly useful to the diagnosis. But as I learned more about it and as the machines got better, because the machines are getting better all the time, these are driven by computers, which obviously change all the time, I became more convinced of the utility of 3D ultrasound in many different areas of ultrasound imaging. First of all, looking at fetal malformations, there are certain aspects of the malformations that are easier to see with surface rendering. But I think the most important aspect of 3D ultrasound that is clinically really useful is the ability to take the volume and reconstruct a slice which is at an angle that you cannot scan in directly. As you do an ultrasound, a regular 2D ultrasound, you take your pictures either from the abdominal approach or from the transvaginal approach, but you can't take it from the hip, perhaps, because it doesn't penetrate bone. But if you have a volume, you can render the slice or the point of view within that volume that cannot be generated any other way directly. And that has really opened up an incredibly important array of opportunities in ultrasound scanning. And so that's what really got me going. And I think another area that got me really interested is the similarity to volume imaging in MR and CT. And the fact that you can take a very quick volume sweep in maybe two or three seconds and then generate 
100 or 200 images from that volume sweep after the patient has left. And that may, in the future, enable us to take a half-hour exam that normally takes a half an hour of ultrasound where we do multiple single images one-on-one and turn it into a two- or three-minute exam where you can take a couple of volumes and generate all your images automatically. That may really propel ultrasound into the modern or future era where it hasn't been. Well, I think that your research has been particularly important in outlining the real significance of 3D ultrasound to imaging. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, and I'm speaking with Dr. Burl Benassaraf, Clinical Professor of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Radiology at Harvard Medical School, about the application of 3D sonography in obstetric and gynecologic imaging. So, Dr. Benassaraf, how do you use three-dimensional ultrasound today? Are there any scanning protocols for which you always use 3D ultrasound? Well, there are. We typically take some images, some volumes of uh, fetal anatomy during a standard fetal ultrasound. But I think one of the areas where 3D ultrasound is really crucial, even today, as recently as right now, is in gynecologic ultrasound, where we image the uterus, the non-pregnant uterus, and the ovaries. Because it turns out that the coronal view of the uterus, which is the view that you see in the Netter diagrams in your anatomy books, that is the best view to examine the uterus. And that view cannot be obtained with regular ultrasound. There is no port of entry that gives you that plane. The planes that we use in regular transvaginal or transabdominal ultrasound are not as good. They're looking at the uterus from the bottom or from the top, they're just not giving you the view of the uterus where the money is. And so our protocols now on gynecologic scan is to obtain this reconstructed coronal view from a volume on every single person. And we have learned so much and found so many things that we would not otherwise find. Well, I think that this particular protocol is so critical because, to me, one of the big advantages of pelvic MRI in the past is that you could always get these different kinds of views that we couldn't always obtain with ultrasound. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And, in fact, MR has made some inroads into the what I call the ultrasound territory, if you will. I'm a fan of ultrasound, not particularly a fan of MRI. <laughs> and I've been distressed to see, over the last decade, the amount of inroads that MR has made in our discipline. And now, I think with the ability to reconstruct those views ourselves, very few patients are going on to MR to look at the shape of the uterus or to look at the positioning of a fibroid or even the positioning of an IUD. There are lots of important aspects of looking at the shape of the uterine cavity, something that we really could not do accurately before. Well, when you were developing these protocols, did you have any significant clinical problems? Was it hard to train your sonographers or figure out how to incorporate three-dimensional ultrasound into everyday scanning? Well, it's remarkably easy. I mean, considering how difficult it is to learn 2D ultrasound, and those of us who have been trained in 2D ultrasound, it takes a long time to learn to do it well. 
And it's very operator-dependent, and people with a lot of experience do a lot better than people with not so much experience. When you use 3D ultrasound, you take out a lot of the component of operator dependence because taking a volume is actually easier than taking lots of single pictures because you don't have to know the anatomy as well. The person reconstructing the volume later is the person that needs to know the anatomy. So, in fact, there is a learning curve, but not a terribly big one in learning how to do 3D, how to acquire the volumes and even how to manipulate them afterwards. I think the problem that we ran into, or that we do currently run into, is that our colleagues that make these machines, and there are several of them in several different companies, have yet to come up with a way that the reconstructed planes are as good quality as the initial acquisition planes. So that that plane that we reconstruct to see that coronal or netter diagram type view is a little blurry. It's not quite as good as the initial views that you can get directly. And that has unfortunately slowed us down a little bit in developing our protocols in how to use these techniques. But I think the concept is there. And because these companies are very active in development, I have no doubt that within a year or two, this will be overcome. Well, who does the reconstruction in your laboratory? So you have regular sonographers who do the sweeps. What type of personnel then actually do the reconstructions? Well, you can have the physician do it, or you can have the sonographers do it. The sonographers love to do it. It takes them out of the scan room. Many of our sonographers who have been at it for a very long time have some orthopedic injuries from having scanned too much and have repetitive uh, injuries. And this enables them to scan less time. Because once you obtain your volume and you send it over to your packs, you can actually then sit at your review station and reconstruct it there. Or you can also put your transducer down and reconstruct it right at the machine. So this varies the tasks that the sonographers have. And in fact, my sonographers have greatly enjoyed learning some of these techniques that vary their tasks during the day. Thank you so much, Dr. Benassaraf, for sharing your expertise. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, and you've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM157. Thanks for listening.